Hi, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of Don't Praise the Machine. My name is John Maloney, and as always, I'm here with my number one pod nester, Alexander Holland. Oh, I've got my nice deep, I've got my nice deep morning yeah. voice, which lives right down I've here. I've been breathing in. Listen to that fry. Listen to that fry. <laughs> right. <coughs> right. <coughs> Right down here. Ooh. I've been absorbing Melbourne smog all day, so I've got a bit of a rasp, but that's okay. Um, is Melbourne is Melbourne a notoriously smoggy city? Nah, but uh, I don't think so. But um, I don't know. You know, after a full day, my voice loses its bassy, bassy rumble and gets a little bit more yeah. <laughs> exhausted. Um <laughs> Rumble and rasp, that's what rumble they call the podcast. I'm rumble and you're rasp. <laughs> <laughs> and this is episode 137. So we're getting up there. Those of you who've been asking, when are we going to hear from Tom Arnold again? Yeah, it's not too long. Don't worry. <laughs> every, every 50, was it? He, we've, only had him, we've only had him twice, haven't we? Yeah, that's right. 50 and 100. Uh, and I thought his performance... At 50 was deceptively good. Then we had him again at 100. Yeah. And now he's back on probation. So we'll see if we get, <laughs> see if we get him in again for 150. Just get, just get AI. We'll just get AI to do him, you know. <laughs> it's true. Why would you, why would you bother? Just pay for a deep fake. I mean, Cameo is going to be one of the most short-lived inventions in <laughs> technological history. It's all just get just get Tom Arnold to bloody do whatever you want now. You could have yeah. you could make a video where he just says happy birthday to your friend and then and then uh, pulls the pin out of a grenade and blows himself up <laughs> on, on the set of True Lies. Um, but we'll have him back sooner or later. I'm sure he's he's um, a keen listener. I know, and I'm sure that he is. I was talking to someone. Actually, I had a nice experience. I was at a party a couple of weekends ago and I was talking to some people and this guy walked up and said, are you John? And I said, yeah. And he said, I'm a huge fan of your podcast, which is very sweet. And I didn't, uh, I'd never met him before. So shout out to Sean, if you're listening, Sean, had a really nice chat with you at that party. And um, he said one of the things that he likes about the podcast is that we just claim willy-nilly that people are friends of the show when they know <laughs> <laughs> when it's fairly obvious that we don't know them. Um, so, so I appreciate that, uh, that that's appreciated. Um, but actually I've had a pretty active time. I went to that party, met a podcast fan. That was great. And then I, and then I ha- hosted a party this weekend, just gone. Oh, um, you had a party at your house. Had a party at our house and... It gave rise to a little schlag uh, because I know one of the things we like to talk about on the show is etiquette, uh, particularly yeah. you've been, I think, very instructive in talking to people about conversational tips and social awkwardness and social impasses and how to get around them. And uh, this was a this was more of a clangor, I think, um, but an interesting one. It sort of made me reflect on my shifting perceptions over time. So I was at a party that I was hosting and it was mostly put put on by Jacinta and 
some of her friends. And just to just to summarize, basically, she's been doing this thing she, since she was uh, for the last few years, which kind of recreates this thing that she used to do when she was a kid. Um, so her and a her and a very old friend, probably like you and I. Are, are old friends, you know, people who've known each other since they were kids. Her and her and maybe one or two others in that situation started this, restarted this tradition. So their parents used to have a thing called Crazy Cards and they would uh, invite people over. And it was particularly because they used to travel a lot with work. They'd often find themselves in a new city trying to make new friends. And her dad was like a real card nut, is a real card nut. So they would, he basically would create this kind of card game, the rules of which changed every year and didn't make a lot of sense, but it was both more or less a device to get people to come and there'd be a theme and you could dress up if you wanted and you get... Just ran- a regular, regular deck of playing cards? Yeah, and every, well, several decks of playing cards and because he was a bit of a card nut, he sort of basically modified the rules of 500, I think, to make it more or less impossible to win if you were just a good player, like, cause their rules are a bit too random and they uh, change every round, but you get randomly assigned a teammate and then you go around to different tables, play against different teams. And the idea is that you just kind of have fun and get to know each other. And then there's stupid things in between. Like there might, you might be to get some bonus points by remembering the lyrics to something or by eating a donut faster than everyone else can eat a donut stuff like that and everyone just gets quite drunk as well <laughs> so that's uh that's the basis that was, of crazy cards that was also that was part of her childhood crazy cards as well yeah sure she just used to <laughs> she just used to have to do a bunch of drinking games and uh and so then so that's kind of been in the last i don't know 5 or 6 years her and a couple of childhood friends have brought that back and uh so they hosted it they hosted it at a different one of their houses each year and this was our turn this year. So there was about 30 people and it was really... What, there was, you had a party with 30 people? Yeah. And, and this, is, uh, this, is a, this is a big one. It's a big party. Um, Fucking hell. And, uh, you know, card tape. You can imagine like we kind of move the furniture to the sides of the room. There's There's a few tables so people can play this game and then there's seating out the back so people can just chill. Uh, and drink and have fun. And um, the theme this year was musicals. Not my first choice, I must say, but it was uh, it was a good good basis for costumes and also for kind of musical musical based games. So people were towards the end of the night getting a bit rowdy and jumping up on our kitchen de- kitchen bench and singing musical <laughs> show tunes. And uh, one of the people who was there. Was this guy, perhaps I won't use his name, but, um, I hadn't met him until that night. He was a, he was an invitee of one of the other guests and him and his partner came along and he seemed like a nice enough guy. Um, and at one point he was up on the kitchen, uh, bench singing a song from Fiddler on the Roof. And I was like, I kind of like the cut of this guy's jib and, uh. And so the night was fine. It was unfolding well. And we were playing cards. A few hours had passed and he'd done his little musical number. And I had a couple of sort of sporadic conversations with him 
throughout the evening, but I hadn't really gotten a sense of him. Um, and then I looked over and I noticed that, uh, he was kind of slumped in his chair and looked like he'd maybe fallen asleep. And his partner was like, was kind of trying to, you know, like kind of trying to rouse him more or less was sort of sitting with her face close to his face, talking to him, trying to get some sense out of him to no avail. And I just thought, well, he's, he's gotten a bit too pissed and that's fine. These things happen. And kept, I returned to my card game and a few moments went by and then I heard the sound of somebody retching and he'd kind of moved from his chair to our couch and his girlfriend had, had, um, had taken the liberty of grabbing a bowl from one of our cupboards and put it under him so that he could, so that he could vomit into the bowl. And I'm sorry, I keep coming back to... Your favorite bowl. uh, Yeah, in our favorite. Your great-grandmother's bowl that she made during the war. That she she threw during the war. Mm. Exactly. On a a wheel. It was actually the one thing that my convict ancestor was allowed to keep when he came out from Waterford was this bowl. Um, No, it was... I don't know what it was, but... uh, but it was just kind of amazing because it was like the room was full of people. You know, was, yeah. there was a kind of boozy, raucous vibe. But um, then suddenly there was this guy just going really loudly kind of retching into a bowl in the corner. And uh, and everyone, a couple of people had to leave the room because they were a bit sensitive in the stomach. Weak stomach. Yeah. yeah. And I just was like, you know. Suddenly moving, I shifted. We have the, we have the best parties. Yeah. I was like, fuck, still got it. Still got people barfing at my, (laughs) I might be a like middle-aged suburban homeowner, but at least people are barfing in my home. Um, and, uh, and I sort of put my sociologist hat on and was like, this is interesting just to see how people respond and how I respond to this person doing this in my house. Yeah. Uh, and I kind of did a, a new it. man, a new man, somebody who I didn't really <laughs> trust or know, and who who can't really have, who can't really have known anyone else there. And maybe, I mean, we've all done it. Most of us a bit a bit earlier in life, I would suggest. But you know, sometimes when you when you're at a party and you don't have any close connections, maybe you get a bit socially anxious and you drink yeah. faster than you mean to. It happens, uh, but I don't know that it's ever happened to me that I've thrown up in the room. I think I've mostly managed to kind of r- walk at least into the backyard or the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and he, and he uh, subsequently left. I, I was pretty kind of keen on just enjoying the rest of the night, so I can't really vouch for his movements for the rest of the evening. But I do know that when I woke up, uh, Jacinta was complaining about having had to remove what was left of his, his vomit bowl from the corner and, and that he'd left his phone at our house. And I was just like, man, that guy must be, must be experiencing horrors, the, the likes of which I can only dream of. Yeah. Or, and, yeah. I mean, in my, in my experience, 
in my experience, it's often people that find themselves in those situations that mm. it's not the first time that they have. And mm. the, the reason that it's not the first time they have is because they are oddly comfortable in mm. a way that I, in a way that I often am very envious of. Yeah. Whenever I know I have a, I'm not going to mention them, but I have a handful of close friends yeah. who are, who have absolutely no problem whatsoever being completely <laughs> fucked up in front of everybody <laughs> in a way that, and it's typically that they, I mean, the reason that I'm friends with them is because when I say really fucked up, they're not really upsetting not anyone like else. Belligerent. Yeah. Yeah. No, but they are just so like barely sort of against the wall, <laughs> eyes rolling back in their head. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. Con- con- every other weekend and everybody <laughs> just, everybody just knows mm. that's how they get. And I just think of myself in that situation and just how <laughs> mortified I would be of being <laughs> that vulnerable and yeah. that and being and being that fucked up in front of people. And if if somebody had shown me a video of myself the next day looking mm, like that, I yeah. wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to watch it. Whereas like these people, you can show them twenty of these videos and they're like, Yeah, awesome. I had a mm. good night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was thinking if I had done, particularly now, I mean, I'm 40 years old. If I had done what that guy had done, yes, that would be, this... I'd just be like, that's it, I'll <laughs> never drink again in my entire life now. Um, so, yeah, what if and... if this story was, imagine if this story that you're telling now was, uh, I went to a party of 29 people, 28 people yeah. that I didn't, I went, with, I went with Jacinta and there was mm. 28 people that I didn't know. Yeah, I did a little. I did my classic fiddler on the roof routine. Everyone loved and then it. I was, everyone absolutely loved it. But I had snuck in. I mean, there were drinks provided, but as per usual, I also snuck in two hip flasks of vodka, <laughs> yeah, put them away, right. and then I fell asleep on the chair. Yeah, and I started vomiting in a bowl in front of everybody. <laughs> And I would just say, I would say to you, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> exactly. Are you, are you okay? What's happened? <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting too, because, and I've often thought about this in recent years. I remember a few years ago, so I was probably in my kind of early to mid thirties and we had a house party at my previous house, which was a share house. And, uh, Similar number of people there. And there were people who met that night, I think, who were pashing at the party. <laughs> and there That's were people kissing who, as well for all kissing. For sorry, it's very listeners. Australian, isn't it? Yeah. Pashing. Pashing is kissing. Having a good having a good snog. And then uh and then there was somebody who threw up kind of against the like an arc of vomit against the wall. And I was like, <laughs> Man, that's kind of this is quite a youthful party that I've made. And um and I thought, put the, green spoon on, put green spoon on. <laughs> exactly. Just ace. No, just not that ace. one. Just ace. <laughs> Dead cat three times. And then I thought at the time, I wonder if that's the last party I'll have where that happens. Because even then I had, re- I sort of realized that vomiting in particular at a party had gone from being something which was pretty standard. Like when you're, when you're kind of 18, 19 and everyone's learning how to drink and, you know, yeah. exceeding the the limit of their capacity uh, regularly until they kind of trial and error their way to figuring it out. Uh, to drinking success. To, to drinking just enough <laughs> that you 
that you yeah. can't can't remember anything and you're rude to people, but not so much that you <laughs> that you that you pee or bath. Um, <laughs> and and uh, and that's the that's the sweet spot. And and you know, so it's kind of very normal to be at a party. And probably, you know, that was kind of late 90s drinking culture. Things might have moved on a bit. But, you know, it was quite normal to be at a party and somebody would throw up. And then now I'm kind of like, oh, can you not do that? I don't, I own this house. I don't want somebody <laughs> that I don't even really know. So I'm not extending any good faith because I'm just like, I, you know, it's yeah. happy, for you to be, happy for you to be here, whatever your name is, but. You could just throw up in the toilet and not tell me about it. That would be great. I was okay with your subpar performance of Fiddler on the Roof. I let that slide. Yeah, exactly. But now. Not even my, it's not even like, you know, maybe if you'd done something from Moulin Rouge, it would be a different yeah, people, story, but. Yeah. Something people knew. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was an interesting, it was an interesting kind of moment because I realized that vomiting had well and truly gone from something which was a kind of not particularly remarkable event at a party to something which was a fairly significant faux pas. And I thought, am I just getting old? Maybe I should cut this guy some slack because he's just living life and uh, <laughs> got more of a more of an edgy sense of how to conduct yourself at a party than I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna keep an eye on that because I'm pretty sure that might be the last time that'll ever happen uh, at a party of mine. Um, except, I mean, the last time it'll happen probably is if I ever get invited to his house, I'll make a point of <laughs> getting so drunk that I throw up in his house. <laughs> I had I had a uh I hadn't vomited from drinking in a year which is pretty good for me cuz I mm -hmm. and it's not it's not because I'd moderated my drinking it's because I'd gone from drinking to not drinking right. for like t for 10 months and then yeah, I went okay. to one and then I went to Jordan's karaoke party and then I got home and had a little spew afterwards mm. and that was the last time that I had done that was I think maybe after your brother's wedding oh, in new york yeah, i remember probably that. had a little chuck in the bushes as yeah. well i love yeah. uh, that's i love to i love to run off in various romantic cities around the world and mm. just have a little vomit in the bush <laughs> be it paris or actually i vomited at a wedding at power in paris last year mm. and then i vomited at a wedding in new york and then i was very proud of myself i didn't vomit at a wedding <laughs> in italy this year so i felt okay. more mature but then but then two weeks ago i did have a little, it wasn't a big one, but her, as my father would say, classic Port Lincoln slang. Yeah, had a little, had a little spit, little spit behind the bushes <laughs> little out there. Spit. Uh, I did a pretty good rendition of <laughs> of uh, "Beautiful Day" by U2, and then I had to run out and have a little spit behind the bush. <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, laughing at the porcelain for a bit there. Um, <laughs> yeah, the um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not. Uh, I certainly wouldn't feel bad if I had a chuck in uh, the toilet or even in a bush. Yeah, you know, maybe I'd think I don't want to be doing that every weekend. But uh, but I think, but in a, a man's 
But in a man sitting in a man sitting chair, exactly, in a fully lit living room, <laughs> uh, just in a bowl. That's a different thing. It's like you you better have fucking a bowler if you start behaving that way. <laughs> <laughs> John, it's a very important weekend coming up next weekend. And in fact, this week leading up to next weekend, uh, that is Thanksgiving in the United States. Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving is when the pilgrims said to the Native Americans, can you just help us out? And we promise we won't fuck your shit up. And the Native Americans said, yeah, you sound fairly trustworthy. Mm. We'll teach you all the tricks of the trade if you promise not to fuck our shit up. And they mm. said, definitely, definitely, we won't. And that's Thanksgiving, as far as I understand. <laughs> the end. The end. Yeah. But what's more important about Thanksgiving is those, to me, of course, it's mm. those Black Friday sales that you love oh, so yeah. dear. It means you can get electronic products probably 13% off. Mm. And that's going to make a big difference in my life. And I, for the first time in three years, bought myself a brand new pair of wireless earbuds. Now, oh, cool. I have had the same pair of wireless earbuds for three years, and they mm-hmm. are absolutely on their last legs in that I've only had one of them functioning for the mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. And just in the last two weeks, the back of the earbud has started to come off the glue so as i'm walking <laughs> on the as i'm walking on the street i have one earbud in and it's peeling off and there's just a little bit of pl- little bit of plastic hanging by a strand of glue uh, yeah. out of my out of my ear and so i thought probably about time to replace these the reason that i didn't replace them mm. when i when when one of the earbuds broke which was about 18 months ago one of the earbuds broke so I could only ever use one. Okay. I typically I typically use my earbuds to listen to podcasts exclusively because I don't really like how I often don't like how music sounds in these earbuds. Mm. So I would always just listen to podcasts. But I started noticing that when I would have both earbuds in when I'd be walking along the street, that I started feeling very disconnected from my mm. environment. I really started feeling odd that I was walking around the world mm-hmm. with my just not listening to the environment. It's almost yeah. this kind of arrogant attitude of, oh, whatever's happening around me is just not important enough for me to pay attention to, be that, yeah. be, be that especially people. No, I don't have time to to interact with you in a serendipitous moment because mm. I need to listen to uh, I can't miss the 8th hour of this Joe Rogan podcast <laughs> or whatever. I need to block I need to block all the sound of the world out so yeah. that I can And I started feeling that and so a bit of a midway point for me was 
okay, well, one of my earbuds has died. So yep. I'll just use one earbud when I walk around the streets. So I have one ear connected to the world mm. and one ear connected to Joe Rogan. Yeah. And as time has gone on, I've started realizing more and more just how dependent I've become on being constantly entertained mm. and stimulated with vision and sound mm-hmm. all the time. And I've started, cons- I mean, I've always been somewhat conscious of how much media I am consuming and mm. how different the era that we live in now is compared to previously. How when I was a teenager, we didn't have any of these technologies that were able to just grab information out of the air and yeah. fire it directly into your eyes sure and and ears and so more recently i've been trying to just be in silence more because i started to realize that holy shit i don't really spend any time in silence yeah. ever yeah and i think this is probably the case for a lot of people and people are probably not as aware of it as they might be, and also not aware of just how recent this phenomenon is, Mm. that none of us sit being bored or in silence anymore. And so I I did a bit of, uh, I did a little bit of research and I thought I would just go through the quick recent history of some of these kinds of Mm. Technologies that have sprung up over the last 500 years mm. that have started to mean that we as a species don't really need to ever be bored anymore. Mm. But before I do that, John, I wanted to ask you what is your relationship to silence currently? <laughs> I like that you asked it in this kind of peppy commercial radio way. I love that. Um, <laughs> because yeah. apart from how often mm. are you? In silence. And, and when I say silence, I guess what made me think of this is that I was folding. La- I, I noticed this week, I look yeah. behind me, my laundry rack's there. I go, okay, got to take the laundry off the laundry rack. Got to yeah. fold the laundry. And as I did that, my brain went, better go and grab your phone yeah. and put a, po- put a podcast on while you do yeah. the laundry. Because the laundry's boring yeah. and you, you don't, you can't do the laundry without being entertained, you better have a YouTube video on in the background or you better totally. have a podcast on. And then I yeah. thought, what is going on? Why can't you fold the fucking laundry in silence? Mm, you get a get a pressure behind your chest because your brain's like, yeah. no, My thoughts no. are coming in. What Not my bad thoughts. Exactly. That's why I got to keep the... Keep Seinfeld on, on 100% yes, volume all exactly. night long. Yes, exactly. Because I'm like, <laughs> you've got your side, uh, you've got every room in the Baloney Jacinta household mm, is just twenty four seven Seinfeld, and the longer the longer you keep those three a.m. thoughts at bay, the more you've got banked up. So now I know, yeah, I can never step back into that abyss because there's so many things in there that I haven't processed. Are you a man that's more with silence than I? Uh, look, it's it's um. It's probably an issue for me too that I find it difficult to enjoy the simple pleasure of just doing one task without stimulation from a secondary source. And I was thinking about that last week because I was just having a week of mostly doing a lot of 
life admin, clearing out the shed and doing a bit of gardening and things. But for most of that, I um, needed to be listening to an audio book or something. Yeah. And there were a few points where I did think to myself, why do I need that? Maybe I could just do this for a while. And of course, you know, when I did that, I often found it quite pleasant, but it is a kind of unfamiliar challenge. And I was at the... I was at a cafe over the weekend and I was thinking about this as well, funnily enough, because there was a girl sitting next to me at the cafe and she was reading a book and she was eating a sandwich and she did, she didn't, she didn't have a phone anywhere in sight. She didn't nervously pull out her phone to fidget with it. And I, meanwhile, I just basically like, you know, sweat dripping from my brow. I just like had my phone, pushed up against my face and had 10 tabs open so that I didn't, <laughs> I didn't fall into the trap of being understimulated. But I do, I do enjoy, I mean, one of the things we briefly touched on is the fact that I can't, because of my crutches, I can't look at my phone when I'm walking, Yeah, uh, which I've often thought is a kind of blessing in disguise because it does force at least some degree of immersion in, in my yeah, environment. Yeah, you've got much more of a friction point between mm. pulling your pulling your phone out. Of, for you, pulling your phone out of your pocket mm. is more of a friction point than most. For exactly. Most, and, and, I, and I, to be honest, I usually appreciate that because especially if I haven't brought decent headphones out with me or any headphones, then it means that I do, at least when I'm getting from A to B, I have to just be in my environment and be in my own thoughts. And that's often a very pleasant time. And it off, and it has often made me think back to vast stretches of boredom time that I seemed to endure as a kid. Like when, you know, if I finished school at, you know, quarter past three and for whatever reason, uh, my parents couldn't be there for the next hour, hour and 15 minutes, 4.30, they might pick me up. And everyone would kind of peel off and then I'd just be sitting on the oval, um, kind of staring at the grass and staring at the sky and watching the traffic and thinking about random crap. And then Is I that thought, what you would do? You, you kind of remembered that you, would, you wouldn't necessarily have a book. You would, you would just sit there and go, you remember being like, oh yeah, I have, there's nothing here. It's cool. I'm just going to sit here and just take it in. Yeah. I do remember times like that. And I would think of, you know, that was when I'd think of, uh, I'd sort of ponder ideas or I'd think of stories or I'd think about funny conversations and just think about the day's events. And then, you know, there was also times for me where, um, the other kids would be playing sport and I'd just be parked on the side of the oval without as much to do, like during PE classes. Um, and yeah, I sort of look back at that now and think that is that was kind of probably the the source of a lot of good mental processing. And I'm a big believer in this idea that, you know, when you're not consciously engaging with things that they sort of cogitate in the back of your head. I was talking to my, your friend and mine, Harley, about this the other day because he's a big believer in that too, I know. That, you know, like if you have a problem and you just leave it, then your brain will kind of be working on it in the background. Mm. But obviously its capacity to do that is more limited if you are, you know, watching uh, watching Netflix and then at the same time as you're watching Netflix, texting someone on your phone. Yeah. Uh, 
and and then you know you kind of layering on distractions and distractions it can't be good and as you say it's just a total uh it's a total burglar of um serendipity and observation and you know chance encounters with people or your environment that i think are kind of a nice ingredient of life otherwise apparently evolutionarily it's boredom is a it's a motivational mechanism that encourages individuals to seek out new experiences activities or challenges natural mm. selection may have favored individuals with the capacity to feel bored because hmm. it prompts them to explore their environment discover novel opportunities and engage in activities that could enhance their chances of survival boredom may have served as a driving force for innovation problem solving and social interaction ultimately mm. contributing to an individual's ability, uh, an individual's adaptability and overall reproductive success. So you can oh. see what the problems are going to be. If those are the advantages of boredom evolutionarily and yeah. those are what it can offer us as a species, you can see mm. where the problems start to begin mm-hmm. if somebody is playing Call of Duty all day in their parents' basement and yeah. vaping. They, they don't need then. to invent hover cars because they're just. Yeah, well, why don't? Why aren't I in a driverless car mm. yet? Because because of Call of Duty, and it doesn't. As we've talked about, it's the the bar for plugging that hole is sort of so low that it's almost just like you could do anything. You know, you can have somebody pretending to be a non-playable character and just repeating the same movements and phrases over and over and over. Because people are like, whatever, just give me anything other than nothing, which I have no tolerance exactly. for. Please yeah. give me anything other than nothing. I did a yeah. little bit of I did a little bit of research on the last five hundred years of distract what I've picked is distractions. You're welcome mm. to throw your own in here in here, John, but I've this is called Alexander Holland's around about five hundred years of human human distractions so my old mate my old fellow countryman johannes gutenberg oh yeah creates the printing press in Mm. uh 1440 and then he creates the 42 line bible in latin printed probably between 1452 and 1454 in the old city german city of mines Mm -hmm. obviously it took a bit longer for everybody to get literate and for books and stuff to become widely available so we're going to do a jump we're going to do a bit of a jump forward there, and we're going to go to 1857. That's the four, first instance of recorded sound, ah. which apparently, contrary to popular belief, recent scholarship says that it was invented by Edouard Leon Scott uh, in hmm. France in 1857. So not not Edison, Alexander. which a lot of the, yeah, okay. The classic, the classic Edison trying to steal somebody else's idea and mm, pass it off there you go. as his own. So that's tele. That's uh, sorry. That's recorded sound in 1857. Then you have yep. television is invented in 1927. Although it does, of course, doesn't become widely available, affordable, and popular until kind of 1950s, 1960s. Is that kind of yep. golden era of post-war television, mm. television proliferation. So, but already and in the nineteen fifties, you start seeing you start seeing it become what people start referring to as the babysitter. You know, there's those classic mm. images of kids kids sitting on the on the living room floor, yeah, like stare, staring up at the glowing box, and yep. you can already start to see and go, 
this is weird. I've left radio out here as well. I forget. I didn't look up when radio was invented, but let's just say recorded sound, as I say, was uh, yeah. 18. 57 obviously radio is coming before television but again people were already concerned about television because you could see the telephone and then you had the telephone from from graham bell Mm. then you had in the 1970s you had video games start to really pop off obviously Mm. they started small and went through various um levels of popularity up and mm-hmm. down until you know now they are it's just this mm. insane multi-billion-dollar industry. I, I was mm. look, I was looking at um, it's like looking on on some job boards and on LinkedIn recently, and it is crazy the amount of jobs that are mm. related to the video game industry. Like you just mm. look up uh, video editor, and the amount of them that are we have some social media channel that needs somebody to edit videos of th- this particular video game. Uh, and I actually have, I have, a, I have a mate that works in the e-gaming industry. So right. he works, yeah, he works in procurement. So it's his job to set up events for e-sports. Yeah. So, you know, ma- massive stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And then we have... The Walkman comes in the 1980s, so mm-hmm. this is the precursor to your iPod. That's the first the first personal stereo is your cassette Walkman. Yeah, okay. Internet, 1990s. First iPod, 2001. Internet's re- when it really started to hit the skids. It Then you got the iPod. Uh, the, for me personally, I started using my iPod Nano in mm. 2006. I, um, the, the, the medium that we're on now, John, is the, uh, the podcast. That is 2004. Is that right? And Yeah. And then really... The, and the, then the really... Then the real big... The really big seismic moment, which everybody even still points to and when lots of academics and stuff and journalists point to, is 2007 is the first iPhone. So that's 16 years ago. And I've heard Sam Harris speak about this before. I think it's, I think it was Sam Harris, uh, who's everybody, some people might know he's my person. He's a neuroscientist. Mm. He's my guru. And he's most famously the son of Golden Girls creator, Susan (laughs) Harris. That's his, that's his claim to fame. (laughs) But I think this is him. I think uh, pretty much every episode of, (laughs) of um, making sense, he refers to that fact. (laughs) <laughs> it's a bit cringy starts, starts every episode of yeah. making sense with his favorite golden girls we're episode. facing we're facing a cataclysm he'll say and then he says and i should know my mum invented golden girls <laughs> <laughs> um i think it's i think it's sam i think he tells a story about a friend of his who who got the iPhone in 2007 and within a week of messing around with it or so yeah wrote to Sam and said this is incredible i will never have to be bored ever again <laughs> oh god just realized that i've got this distraction device in my hands yeah forever and that's the history of Distractions mm. up until now. We've had the i. We've had smartphones for 
a little bit over 16 years and obviously they've gotten faster mm. wireless internet has become cheaper and faster 4g mm. we're in the tiktok era i just sent you before the podcast started another tiktok thing that was just every week there is something on tiktok that you just go yeah why is this why is this happening you go this isn't what gutenberg would have wanted <laughs> When he set, <laughs> when he was when he printing set, that Bible, when he set this hellish train in motion, <laughs> maybe you can explain just quickly. Maybe you can explain to people what I just sent you on TikTok. Yeah. So what you just sent me was a kind of the I think you described it as the TikTok equivalent of kind of um, home marketing. So yeah, home shopping, you know, home like shopping. the home shopping channel. So you go, you know, you used to be able to sort of. On cable TV, you used to be able to go to the well, sometimes free to air in Australia at weird hours of the night. They'd have home shopping. They'd have somebody behind a desk who would be uh, hawking, selling some sort of you know substandard jewelry or something, and then they'd have people calling in and saying how much they liked it, and then they'd be showing you close ups of it. And it was a kind of it was even then a kind of weirdly like a sort of vehicle for lonely people as well, who was sort mm. of up late with nothing to do. They'd call into the show. They'd have a bit of chat to the host or whatever. And then uh, now the latest manifestation of that is just people on tickers t- selling crap uh, that I guess <laughs> they've been, I guess they've just got it on consignment or something and they're trying, I don't know how it works, but man, it is a, bleak spectacle and it always amazes me that you (laughs) it always just makes me think um this stuff is really tapping into the kind of yeah the low the low ebb of the human brain because it's like Mm, bottom of the brainstem shit bottom of the brainstem shit it's like this isn't you know this isn't like you know in victorian era they'd write these really really long novels like Moby Dicks, you know, really long. And part of that is because people just didn't have much to do and they wanted to read like a chapter which just was like, and also they didn't have enough reference points to understand everything that was going on. So they needed a chapter that was like, here's what whaling is about. Here's what whales are about. Here's how the boat looks and the anchor and the harpoon and this species of whale and blah, blah, blah. And now we find all that a bit tedious. But you know, they were enriching themselves with this knowledge. Uh, I mean, this has got almost the equivalent of like, rather than doing that, we'll just give you one word in a book and you can you can just kind of run your eye over that word over and over. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, just, it's just like a, a, a piece of drool just starts to form. Exactly. Like a stalactite, a stalactite of drool just starts to form as you... Eyes go back and forth. You start to become more and more zombified. Moby Dick. Moby Dick. (laughs) (laughs) So so you and me, John, as homo sapiens, we've been Mm. around for about 200,000 years. Mm -hmm. And it means that these, if we go to Gutenberg and his printing press, it means that we've really only started to have these kinds of distractions, this distracting media for... So for 99.75% of human, of homo sapien history, we yeah. haven't had, we haven't been able to sit with a book or a piece of text. Yeah. And of, co- and of course, 
really the real real ramp up is within mm. the last 16 years which is the smartphone because mm. before that before that you didn't have the ability to have a, a distraction rectangle in your pocket available yeah. on you at all time so we're running as I, i'm sounding very sam harris here but mm. we are running this exper this human experiment that nobody signed up for mm. and what i'm saying is first of all it's and i i realize that i'm kind of saying be wary of listening to too much media. The first thing I would say is prioritize don't praise the machine yeah. as the piece of media every we're not saying don't listen. I mean listen listen to what I am saying to you now. You're gonna you're getting the value that you need. I'm giving you yeah. insight and wisdom about how you can improve your life by telling this is you good. but you need this podcast to get that information about not to listen to too many yeah, exactly. other podcasts. Exactly. So you prioritize this over all else, don't praise the machine once a week. But here's what else I'm saying, because if this is speaking to you out there, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, Al has said something that's made me think maybe I don't have enough silence in my life, I'm mm. just going to give you a moment to think about that. Is this you? Answer in your own heads right now. Mm. Yes or no? Just going to leave a second of air for you to as the listener it is our speaking to me if you answer, <laughs> if you answered yes then why don't you write into don't praise the machine at yeah. hello at dptm.org tell me and john man i hadn't thought about that and then mm. you talked about it and then i did think about it and then i'm I've started experimenting with implementing more silence, silence. and boredom into my own life, or I promise I will. I commit you know what to be great. invoking more silence and boredom in my life. Let us know, everybody. Hello at dptm.org. Say, I was the one when you said, when you said, is this you? And you left the bit of silence. I'm mm. the one who said, yes. Yeah. And then... Or Tell me about how yeah. that felt. Or see. Maybe you said, yeah, <laughs> or da. <laughs> I'm, Hungari I, I'm Hungarian. And I said, oh, I'm Russian. Mm. And I said, da. Da. We. Oui. Um, yeah. Hello at dptm.org. I think what we should do ultimately is try and guide you through that. So for those of you who are willing to pay a little bit extra um, each month, we will send you the equivalent of one full episode of Don't Praise the Machine each week. And all you'll get is the intro music and the outro music. And between that is a time for you to be silent. <laughs> 45 minutes. That's a great idea. And that's how you know that you're taking in your requisite amount of silence per week is that the intro music happens and then it's 45 minutes of silence. And then, you know, like a meditate, like a guided meditation. Exactly. Exactly. Except the only guide is intro music, outro music. And then with, <laughs> within those, just make up your own schblags in the quiet of your own mind. You know what? You might come up with the next great idea. You might come up with the, with an idea for your own podcast, mm. something that you wouldn't have come up with mm. if you were doom scrolling. Exactly. You're going to, you, the, you know what's going to happen is the outro music of the podcast is going to come in. And you're going to be like, I've had so many amazing ideas during that mm. 45 minutes mm. 
of silence. Pump, and I'll, pump. Thanks so believe much. Believe this only cost me a hundred dollars a month. I can't believe that it only cost <laughs> me. I only had to pay pal a hundred dollars to <laughs> hello at dptm. dot <laughs> org. <laughs> want to say thanks so much everybody we have we're, we're experimenting with doing a video of the podcast you probably won't mm. see this bit of it because we're just we're just sandboxing right now we're just testing and con- proof of concepting but yeah. it does mean now that i have to do some sort of outro because you're gonna see me each mm. week so we're gonna have to come we're gonna have to i can't just fade out to music can anymore f- can we do fade to black we could do fade to black. We could star wipe out every week. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be good, or like an explosion. Or you do. Uh, we, we never work out. We never quite work out how to fade to black. So we just have mm. to slowly turn down the dimmer switches on our own lights in the rooms. <laughs> That'd be good. That I worry. think a very DPTM ending would be just green slime comes down the <laughs> down our faces and then down to the bottom of the screen. <laughs> I, once I get better at Davin- once I get we can this can be a challenge. Once I get better mm. at DaVinci Resolve, I definitely should be able to do a slime down. <laughs> slime Thanks every Thanks every <laughs> <laughs> Thanks everybody. Here comes the slime out and we'll see you next week. Bye. Don't praise the machine. Bye. <laughs>